Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Mary Ainsworth to my Gareth Ainsworth. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I don't know who Mary Ainsworth is. That's a... No, neither did I. I was really okay. desperate for an intro today. <laughs> I googled Ainsworth and Mary Ainsworth was an American-Canadian development psychologist. Um, so there you go. That's how desperate I've got with my intros now. I mean, she may she may be thought better of than, than Gareth Ainsworth, so that might be a compliment to me. Yeah, it might be. I don't really know. But mm. Justin, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm I'm feeling quite giddy, actually, because obviously we've got weekend of football coming up, um, and then we fly to Cancun, which is next week, mm. which is really exciting, a nice little nice little break from us. We'll be, we'll be recording live from um, the pyramids, the Mayan pyramids, in Mexico. <laughs> I look forward to making that promise <laughs> and not making it happen at all. But it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? I, I'm very much a jet setter at the moment in mm. New Zealand right now. I'm currently recording in what looks like a bunker. Um, and then next week we'll be off to Mexico, which is going to be very fascinating. And once again, shows our ridiculously overcommitment to this podcast which uh, we maybe need to reconsider for the thoughts of everyone we know nah screw i love this let's go (laughs) in that case welcome to the number one championship podcast the second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are yes we're going to go through all the games in the championship from the midweek plenty of us to talk about right there of course plenty for us to talk about in terms of the news because gareth ainsworth is back at qpr we'll have a good old chat about that plus a few other bits and pieces that have happened in the championship over the past few days before we finish off with diddy or didn't he right at the end so on monday night there was a Grotford and West Brom. It finished 3-2 to the Hornets. Great entertainment, Justin. I watched this at 9 on Tuesday morning, live here in NZ. Give me plenty of adrenaline for the rest of the day. That's that's really confusing. Um, I mean, oh, tell yeah, me about it. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it at 7, 7.45, 8 o'clock on a Monday night, and you're, you're on Tuesday. That's how crazy the world is. And, I mean, that's how crazy the championship is. It doesn't have any impact on time and space but it was a great game of football and, and a really good advert for um the championship and it's two it was two teams um who left a lot to be desired at times but they did showcase their attacking quality when they needed to um and i think that is what the championship's about and um enough yeah enough oozing over the championship watford fully deserved the win west brom not at their best again which is a slight concern considering the slight drop off over the recent weeks yeah, it's a, it was a great game, but it's another poor outcome for West Brom, who's 
results have taken a turn, haven't they? They had won 10 from 12 games in all competitions. They've now won one from six. A large part of that has to be down to the number of goals they're conceding. 15 goals from nine games, which for a promotion-chasing side isn't a great tally. And also, I think certain individuals aren't playing up to standard either. I wasn't sure about the Mark Albrighton signing when that happened. And aside from a promising debut, hasn't played well enough so far. Uh, neither Brandon Thomas Asante or Daryl DK are flourishing up front. I'm not sure about Nathaniel Chalabar either. They need to get back on track fast, don't they? I think that goes without saying. I thought they were a sure bet for the top six, but you only have to look at the table to see they've got a lot of work to do to make that happen at this point. They do, and it's their start to games. They've been really slow in the opening stages of games at the moment. And the first half against Watford showed that they were really, really poor, really, really lacklustre. Um, and they struggled to get into their groove. And they picked up in the second half, but then they lost control quite soon after they scored, which is strange. Um, but it just seemed to lose, lose focus. And you, you mentioned some of the individuals as well. I agree with you. I mean, I disagree with you on the signing of Albrighton. I thought it was a good pickup, but he's just not hit the form he's needed to. And they are missing that outlet from the right hand side, which is massive um for this West Brom team. Um and, and as well as that Thomas Sante again quite poor here. DK's not really scored the goals we expected him to, but again you've got to caveat that with his injury problems and his recovery. So yeah, there's just probably too many individuals over the last couple of games or last few games have been off it and that's really impacted um uh the, the functionality of the team. Um we, we've seen that. But yeah, it was a really poor first half and at that point they're playing catch up against a Watford team who weren't great themselves. Um, but they've got a lot of attacking quality in that team to exploit you. They did that. West Brom just struggled to gain any control after that. I think another thing to point out with West Brom is it turns out Matt Phillips is a really key player in this yeah, Carlos yeah, Cole yeah. brand system. was playing really well before he picked up a nasty injury, which I think he's keeping him out for pretty much the rest of the season, yeah. if not a, a few weeks before. Um, so he's turning out to be a really big miss, which is a bit surprising considering... He's been a kind of a bit part player now for West Brom yeah. for a couple last couple of years, but under Corbran, has been playing some of his best football in a long time. So he, he's turned out to be a really big miss too. But it is a big win for Watford. They're first in six. Got to say, I can't look at Watford and think they're a good side. Of course, there's very talented individuals there, but there doesn't seem to be any team cohesion. It seems like the tactic is pass it to Giao Pedro and Ishmael Asar and something will happen. That often sees Watford through games, and they may very well scratch together enough points to get them into the playoffs. However, it's not the most convincing, is it? When I look at other teams at the top of the table, I see a team, a unit. You look at Middlesbrough, Luton, for example. With Watford, I see 11 individ individuals. What do you think, Justin? It's hard to disagree with you, Dubonis, and I think that's just symptomatic of really poor recruitment in the summer, then playing quite inconsistently up until January and then virtually signing a new set of players throughout January and then they're, they're needing to be bedded in as well. Um, like you said, there's a lot of really good quality players there, but it's just the recruitment. The recruitment needs to be done in the summer because then you've got time to make it that uh, cohesive unit. You can do all your squad building stuff. You go river rafting and all sorts of paintballing and that's where you, that's where you do your... Um, uh, yeah, it's where you create your team dynamic, isn't it? And then after that, it's all about the football. Um, and they're just playing catch-up. They're playing catch-up and, um, and they've had two different coaches as well, so two different systems. 
it's it's quite remarkable that they've managed to consistently, well, not consistently, but still pick up results and points to be within the playoff conversation, given how disruptive it's been this season. Um, but as you quite rightly say, they're not going to hit their potential until they become a cohesive group, until they start to gel properly. And when they gel properly, they'll be a very good team. It's just when that happens. Will it happen this season? Don't know. Um, can they still maintain their results to finish in the top six? Potentially, they've got the quality to do it. Yeah, a lot of variables there for for Watford to to, to work out. Um, and yeah, it's just been, as I say, symptomatic of disruption throughout the season. Final point on this game, and Ken Samer, who scored two goals in this, came out to do an interview afterwards, and he suffers from a stutter, something I never actually knew, but he very bravely spoke afterwards, and that deserves commending. It was very brave of him to do so, um, and hopefully gives plenty of other people with stammers encouragement that it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, a worldie for Marcelino Nunes helped Norwich beat Birmingham 3-1. Justin lets out a big sigh as yeah. I talk about that goal, because what a goal that was, Justin Peach. Yeah, getting uh, hot flushes over here. It was incredible. Um, when I saw it, I, could, I couldn't quite believe it. Um, and I know... I know people can get carried away with goals of the season, um, but that this was technique of the highest order because it wasn't at a favourable angle, i.e. he wasn't you know, staring down the middle of the goal. He's had to put a lot of bend and loop on it to get it over a very good goalkeeper in John Moody. He's hit it on the full. Just incredible. Just, just incredible. And this is from a player who hasn't had a chance under Wagner yet. So that's, that's just his ability. That's just pure ability. It's not confidence or form. That is just pure ability. Um, just a remarkable goal. Right, I got to stop. I need to pour some water over myself. It's incredible. I'm afraid you can't stop, Justin. Where would you rank <laughs> that compared to some of the goals we've seen this season? Because I think the standard of goals this season has been particularly high. But where does that rank? I, to be honest with you, can't remember the other goals of the seasons I've shouted about. There are the right. team goals, he, the Jack Clark. He, here's some. Here's some for you. Jack Clark, you mentioned there. Uh, not Ishmaelasar. Okay, fair enough. Brad Potts. Oh God. No, that's difficult. Um, that's really, really difficult. That Brad Potts goal is incredible as well. Do you want to talk and then maybe give me a second to think about it? Because honestly, <laughs> that, is, that is really difficult because I, I, when we were talking before the podcast, I was gunning for this Nunez one to, in my thinking to, for being goal of the season. But now you remind me of that Brad Potts one. Um, that's difficult. Yeah, th this is a typical Justin Peach move <laughs> where he's claimed something is goal of the season without actually considering what the other goals of the season yeah, yeah. are. Uh, the one thing I will say about Nunes is he has been a bit wasteful with his shooting this season. I think prior to this game, Janino Bakuna was the only championship player who had had more shots than him, but only had the one goal this season. Mm. Nunes shoots a lot and... He has shown on occasion that he has got the technique to do it, but at the same time, you only have to look at the figures to see that he can be a bit wasteful with his shooting. So this was a great example that it's it's not a waste of time, him having a shot all the time, um, and also got the other goal as well. Um, Justin, you've had a bit of time to think a bit about it now. Potts or Nunes? <laughs> um, I'll, say, I'll say Nunes now uh, because of the recency bias, but come the end of the season when we come down to making a difficult decision, I might edge towards Potts. 
Okay, okay. I, I remember very vividly how big Justin was going on about that pot goal, saying it's <laughs> possibly the best goal he's ever seen at championship yeah, level, but it doesn't it take much for him to change his mind, evidently. Uh, Norwich were looking very comfortable in the first half, then Birmingham pulled one back and it led to quite a nervy second half, but Angus Gunn wasn't troubled too much, in truth. Christoph, uh, Christos Zolis got his first league goal for Norwich since moving there for nine million nearly two years ago. He's been a prime example of why I don't rate Norwich's recruitment under Stuart Webber. But that, that was a really good goal in itself, to be fair to him. David Wagner recording from his loan in Holland. So let's see how he gets on. A good win for Norwich. I said at the weekend that I'm increasingly thinking they won't get a top six place. I don't think a win against a struggling Birmingham side changes much for me in that respect. But what are you thinking, Justin? I think it's a good point. Um, they're, they're, they're a bit like a shower at a festival at the moment. They blow hot and cold and it's quite uncomfortable. It doesn't leave you too satisfied. Um, it gets the job done, but you're not happy about it. And I think that's probably where Norwich are at the moment. They're getting results at, on occasion, um, but there's so much more they, they can do. Um, I thought there were, there were good moments. You know, Gabriel Sara and Kenny McLean in the middle of the midfield looked quite light on paper, but they were quite robust or they, they put they, they created a robust partnership. Um, and Sara has impressed me over the past sort of three or four games. Um, so maybe there's something to build on there. But again, we've seen what they can do in the last two home games against Hull and Birmingham going forwards. They just need to replicate that, make it consistent. And if they can, they can get into the top six because they're very they've got some very good players. But at the moment, it's just piecing that form together, which is the problem. Eight defeats in 10 league games for Birmingham. And it's got to be said, it is not looking good for them, is it? They are that brief respite against Swansea and West Brom, but otherwise they are sliding down the table at an alarming rate. Their position is looking increasingly precarious. You've got the five teams who have been the bottom five for most of the season. They've all seen some form of improvement recently. And that's why I highlighted Birmingham, Stoke and QPR as teams who need to watch their backs. Now, QPR have a new manager. Stoke seem to manage at least a win every four games. <laughs> so Birmingham are right in the firing line, aren't they, of those teams around the relegation zone who will be looking to climb up the table. Add in a possible points deduction, which we will talk about later, Justin. It's worrying. Key players are injured. Other key players are out of form. Scott Hogan scored one since the World Cup break. Tariff Chong isn't as influential as he was earlier in the season. They're having to play young lads like Chang and Hall, who I'm not necessarily sure are ready to play regular first-team football. The squad's quite thin as well. The tables have quickly turned for John Eustace and Birmingham City. They can be a very good side, but seeing that team regularly feels like a distant memory now from what we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? The the drop-off, but it's probably more more of a case of because of the limited numbers in the squad and limited movement in January, um, that is that the season caught up with them. I think you look, if you look at this game in isolation, defensively, they created their own problems. You look at that second Nunez goal, why on earth was he, was he on his own? He shouldn't be given that much time and space running in the box. He should be... Um, it should be marked. He wasn't, um, and then obviously they weren't. They weren't really in the game after Norwich scored. To be honest with you, and that's the disappointing thing because Birmingham City have been a very, very good team and, and have made it very difficult for opposition um, throughout the season. They just didn't, and they just haven't over the past past few weeks. Um, so that's the, that's the main worry. It's the drop off in ability to to maintain that. Um, 
well, keeping keeping teams um well making teams uncomfortable they just they've they've stopped doing that it's been they've become very easy to play against which is the the, the big concern but um for me i think birmingham city i think i think we're looking at 45 46 points for teams staying up and birmingham are only sort of six seven points off that potential tally um so that that could be the saving grace that early season form could could keep them in the division but it is an alarming down uh, downturn in form it certainly is I'm not so sure about that target, Justin. I think that may be a bit higher than that, considering how well some of the teams down there have suddenly turned around. Uh, only other thing I've got to say on this game is Tariff Chong has braids now, which I'm not a fan of. I much prefer him with a big old afro. Uh, Burnley dropped points for only the fourth time in 21 league games after drawing one all away at Millwall. Burnley had plenty of chances in this one and probably should have won it. However, if you're going to drop points anywhere, then doing it away at one of the hardest places to go in the division isn't a bad way of doing it, I suppose. They won't have many tougher games this season, to be honest with you. It was a it was a difficult game for Millwall. Millwall didn't allow Burnley to get into their into their rhythm. And that's the thing, that's the thing you've got to do against Burnley is you've got to disrupt them quite early on. They did that. Um I thought Millwall's game plan was was quite effective. Um and I think Burnley were Suffering a little bit, not from fatigue, but there was a little bit of rotation in start eleven, um, and they just lack that usual swagger they have in games. Um, but it's a good point, I think. I think it's a very good point, as you quite rightly said, um, because of the standards they set themselves when they drop points. It's disappointing. I do think their performances have dropped off a little bit over the last three or four games, not massively because they're still picking up results. Um, but there is certainly, um, they certainly do need to improve between sort of over the next couple of games. Um, so it's probably a good time for Huddersfield to play them at the weekend, uh, just bringing that into into context. But yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's it's a point. It's a good point away from home. Um, but yeah, certainly a lot to a lot to um, a lot to build on. I think pound for pound, Millwall at home are one of the best teams in the league. They're such a different proposition for teams to deal with. You've got the supporters giving it the old mill constantly, and it's a <laughs> bit of a it's a bit of a uh, it's just a difficult place to go into, and you can feel how intense it is for the supporters there in most cases when you travel to the den your team is facing a barrage of attacks after attacks and if you give away a set piece against them then you better be bloody prepared for it otherwise they'll punish you uh, but only the top three have won more points at home than them this season which is why i say pound for pound as in taking into account their position in the table millwall at home are one of the best teams in the league away still a bit of a concern there but Without a doubt, the Den, they're just such a different proposition. One of the best teams in the league, along with Preston away, uh, which I'll never get my head around. Um, the only other thing I've I've got on this game is a rare start for Scott, Scott Twine for Burnley. In fact, his first start of the season looked dangerous, had a few chances. We'll be interesting to see if he starts at the weekend. Rotherham 2, Sunderland 1. A huge win for Matt Taylor's side. Sunderland forced Victor Hansen to make a few good saves, but Tony Mowbray admitted his team weren't at their best. Rotherham won't be too bothered about that though they'll just be happy to get the win yeah absolutely they were well worth the win as well um they didn't allow similar to Millwall um similar to Millwall against Burnley didn't allow Sunderland to get into their flow they managed the game really well and the game plan was to disrupt them they did that um and yeah they, you know Sunderland are a very fluid side and they didn't look fluid they looked really lackluster and quite poor I know Janssen was was busy but rather do give to uh, do, do give chances to to opposition, um, but they, they managed it. And as I say, the ability to to mix the game up um, became hard for Sunderland. And yeah, Rotherham were well worth the three points. Some, some really good performances. While Tariq Fossey was was magnificent. He completed six dribbles in this game. He was a constant menace. And obviously, picked up two assists as well. Yeah, he's a he's a 
really good, really good loan signing, and adds that little bit of quality that Rotherham need if they are to stave off uh, relegation trouble. Yeah, Fosu really caught my eye. A lovely goal by Ollie Rathbone. In fact, Shane Ferguson's goal was a nice finish as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, we were discussing the going down baton at the weekend and which team you think is the one you'd be giving the baton to right now and therefore crowning that team the most likely to go down currently. Having listened back to Sunday's episode, you didn't really give me a definitive answer. It sounded no, like you were giving it to Rotherham and Wigan. Um, but anyway, does this result change your mind at all about who is holding that particular baton? Oh, I can't wait for you to clip this. Um, <laughs> so, I, it's, it's difficult because I think what I was trying to get at on Sunday is Maloney's put some really solid foundations at Wigan. They've impressed me the most over the last four or five games, um, but they just can't score. That's going to be a massive issue for them going forward. Rotherham, struggling to get wins. They just haven't won enough games since the turn of the, well, since the World Cup break. Games like this where they disrupt opposition like they did against Blackburn make it difficult for them make it horrible for them they need to do more regularly if they're going to stay out of the bottom three it all it's, it's all this buts and maybes for these teams at the bottom it's the same with Huddersfield and Neil Warnock where that's going to be a factor and Blackpool whether Mick McCarthy can get anything out of that attack so far he hasn't um, so for me I would still consider the likes of Rotherham to be one of the main contenders for going down I think Cardiff are picking up massively because of that inability to get consistent wins on the board. Um, Huddersfield, again, unknown quantity. Wigan just can't score enough goals. Blackpool, Mick McCarthy's yet to set the world alight. So there are three teams there I think will will go down. But as I say, the caveat with Wigan is they've set some really good foundations. They can build upon it more so than the other teams that are down there. This is the hardest to predict relegation battle in years, I think, because I can't recall the last time we were in mid to late February and there wasn't at least one team down there who was looking very likely. Because I think all of the bottom five have good cases for staying up. Wigan look a lot more solid under Sean Maloney. Blackpool have a host of new signings and an experienced manager, Emmett McCarthy. Huddersfield have obviously got Neil Warnock now. Rotherham have new signings who have given them that extra edge. Cardiff have improved recently under Sabri Mushi. Any of the bottom five, with the exception of maybe Wigan, could easily climb away and stay up comfortably at this point. That's why you may very well have to cast the net out further to include teams like Stoke, Birmingham and QPR, who have all been in poor form. I think we're going to probably the most likely, just because I'm yet to be convinced under Maloney that they can win enough games. But filling all three of those relegation spots... Honestly, anyone's guess right now. Um, Sunderland are eighth after this result. The playoffs could be set up perfectly, by the way, Justin. There's a good possibility that Sunderland finish sixth with Middlesbrough third and then Luton and Watford play each other in the other uh, league. That would be absolutely uh, wonderful, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, Tari Stolen scored the only goal of the game as Blackburn beat Blackpool 1-0. A game of few chances, particularly for Blackpool, who didn't manage just a, sh- a single shot on target in this game. I keep expecting Blackpool to improve, Justin, but they're taking their sweet time about doing it, aren't they? Well, this is what I was saying in January, uh, which sort of concluded with a barrage of abuse from Blackpool fans. I just don't think McCarthy's got the magic dust that he once had. still think he can get results, but if we've not seen them be clinical or create enough chances in games yet, when's it going to happen? Because he's had certainly had enough time to do it. Uh, and this game was a really good opportunity because I don't think Blackburn have been particularly fantastic they don't create a lot of chances so your defense is gonna it's not gonna have a busy evening um but they just didn't do anything going forward of, of, of great note it was a really disappointing performance um and as i say we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for them to kick into gear and it's just they just haven't 
Um, when's it going to happen? That's the question you've got to ask. Is Mick McCarthy the right man? I didn't think he was at the time. I thought they should have gone with someone a little bit more progressive, someone who's going to get the best out of that attacking um, group. But that being said, he's got a lot of experience. He knows should know what he's doing. But they just haven't. They just haven't got, got, got going and it's massively frustrating because there's a lot of quality in that team. Back-to-back wins for Blackburn, who are up to fourth. They're still hanging around up there, Justin. What are you saying with them now? It's that they're a difficult one to to judge just because of the lack of chances, but I think they deserve a lot of credit. Like This wasn't a blistering performance, and I think the run of draws has helped galvanise them and set a very nice, solid foundation for them to build on. Um, what you can say about them is their ability to keep games tight. They're not being battered like they were, chance-wide anyway, um, sort of post-World Cup. They have tightened up. They have got better. Dominic Hyams, come back into the team, is brilliant. Um, whether they've got enough to sustain a top-six challenge, I don't think they do. I don't think they're going to fall away um, massively into the bottom half of the table because they've been able to be consistent, results-wise anyway. So I think they will be in with a shout over the next few weeks, maybe. But that being said, they managed to defy expectation all season. So I won't be surprised if they continue to defy expectation up until the the final few games. Well, I remain as convinced as ever that they won't get in the top six. They've had a few good results recently, particularly with the draws away at Watford and West Brom. But it's got to take more than just a couple of wins against two struggling sides to make me think they'll get in the top six. I still think it's more likely they'll finish in the bottom half than do that, if I'm being perfectly honest. Chance recreation chance creation hasn't got any better they've only had two games out of 12 since the world cup where they've managed more than one in expected goals and that is just such a paltry tally and it's been the story of blackburn this season hasn't it they do not create nearly enough chances per game and that's an issue that's a big issue which john doll thomason hasn't even come close to trying to resolve and if you look at the table since the world cup break blackburn are 13th i think that's a more accurate representation of them and i think they will steadily trend in that direction and just drift away from the top six as time goes on a double from josh Laurent saw swansea lose for the fourth time in five games they lost 3-1 to stoke swansea they're their own worst enemies at times, aren't they? They missed some good chances in this one. Then one of the goals they conceded came from them passing it around at the back. And then the other one came from their own corner. They're the real depiction of Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes, aren't they? It's just frustrating. It's just frustrating because, uh, you know, just make their own issues. Um, and they've done that repeated times this season. Um, and I think that's where I'm going to criticise Russell Martin. Is earlier on in the season... He stripped it back to a 4-4-2, simplified things, and they picked up in form after that. You know, confidence came back and they picked up. He hasn't done that. They, they're still making the same errors, and it's frustrating. The lack of game management, discipline, with and without the ball, the inability to control games, it's been an issue all season. Um, conceding sloppy goals has been an issue all season. Conceding late goals, I think I've already said it, not managing games has been an issue all season. There's just so many issues that need addressing. I do feel for Martin because I think he's been shafted by the board, but at the same time, there comes a point where you go, actually, maybe a little bit more pragmatism with the squad that I've got is needed. Um, and that's probably where he's showing his inexperience. I do think they they should be doing better. And this game shows that. They go one and up quite early on in the game um, and they don't, they don't take control. It's just, yeah, really poor. Well, Swansea have won just four of their last 20 games, but... In three of those wins, 
the opposition had a man sent off. That is an unbelievable statistic, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, four four wins in 20 is poor anyway, but could have very well been even worse had it not been for those sending offs. Uh, I had such high hopes for Swansea this season, but it has been incredibly underwhelming. I've got a lot of sympathy for Russell Martin, though. People may understandably ask, why do you have sympathy for him, but not other managers? And I'll tell those people why. He's trying to play football, and I will always have a lot of respect for any manager who tries to play in an attractive way, which any fan would love to watch. Mm -hmm. You look at the underlying data. Swansea have been great at creating chances from open play. However, they've been so wasteful in front of goal. At the other end, they've not been given away many chances from open play either but still conceding and personally I think that's down to the goalkeepers both Bender and Fisher have had poor seasons and then of course he's not been backed by the board which is the big sticking point Swansea desperately needed new players this January ended up actually being weaker he didn't get enough backing last summer either if you ask me and that's why I won't be surprised if he did work Martin's indicated he has no plans to do so though but it's a shame the board haven't shown the same levels shame levels of commitment to him that he's shown to the club because I think he deserves better. I can understand why people may be thinking he may he may be taking some he needs to take some of the blame for how poor Swansea have been recently. But you look at the data side of things; they've been still playing well. It's just it's just been the fine margins which have been which have been letting them down. A quick word on Stoke, Justin, still as inconsistent as ever, but a very handy three points. I think their performance has been trade, trending upwards. Um, I know I was frustrated with them at the weekend because they were so wasteful um, and they weren't able to pull on that really impressive win um, over Huddersfield. But their performances are trending upwards and there's that element of sleepwalking into a relegation battle that I did suggest might be the case. But against performances like this, I reassure you there's so much quality in the team. Their press was perfect. It was so good. They they, they pressed ones in, it paid off Um I thought Laurent was fantastic. Obviously, it was two goals, but out of possession was fantastic. Smallbone was brilliant in and out of possession. Campbell and Brown clicked. Um, so there's a lot of positives to take away from this. And just the frustrating thing is how, how cold they blow. But if they can take their chances in that next game um, at the weekend, they'll pick up points. That's been the frustrating thing over the last few weeks is the lack of clinical edge that they've had. But they had it here. They were good. They were brilliant. Um, and we're seeing that trend upwards that Alex Neil usually has in early stages of his of his spells at clubs. We're seeing it now far too late, but it's finally happening. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the latest news from the past few days, including the appointment of Gareth Ainsworth at QPR. back to the second tier podcast and now it's time for this yes it's time for the news and we'll begin with qpr where it's all changed gareth ainsworth has been appointed their new manager after the sacking of neil chrisley had won just one of his 12 games in charge justin we'll talk about the ainsworth appointment shortly but chrisley's dismissal had to happen, didn't it? It did. It did. I, I do feel for him because, like I said um, before, before weekend at the weekend's episode, it, it was a good appointment on paper. There were a lot of clubs that would have been interested in him. He's, he's a very highly qualified coach, is Critchley, and he's shown that he can do it at um, at Championship level with Blackpool. 
on a relatively good uh, small budget. He's improved players as well. But it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. I do think the Beal situation had an impact. Has had an impact. They were already trending downwards when Critchley came in. Um, so that is a that is a big big player in this. But it's a results based business. We know this. And if you don't pick up results, you're under pressure. And unfortunately, Critchley fell foul of it. Yeah, I thought this was a great appointment when it was made. Critchley did an unbelievable job at Blackpool. He was in the conversation for manager manager of the season last mm. season. Uh, there wasn't any reason why this move wouldn't work, but it didn't for some unbeknownst reason to me. Mick Beale had left QPR in a good position for someone to take them on, and it's just gone terribly for Critchley. They're the most outperformed team in the league. No team has conceded more goals than them since Critchley came in. Only three have scored fewer goals. It's relegation form. And if something didn't change, they could have been in serious danger of going down. And they still may very well be. But that change has come in the form of the rock god himself, the ACDC loving dad who believes he can still have a music career. It's Gareth Ainsworth. He's agreed a three and a half year deal. Of course, he's been managing Wickham since 2012. He was the second longest serving manager in English football. Justin, because he's a bit of a QPR legend, this always seems like an obvious move to me. Yeah, it did. I think if I'm going to assess it, I'm going to take out that QPR attachment just because I think it's, I think he needs to be judged on his time at Wickham. And obviously the job that he's done at Wickham has been absolutely remarkable. One of the smallest budgets in League Two when he took over, one of the smallest budgets in League One when he got promoted from into the Championship and then certainly one of the smallest budgets in the Championship before they were relegated uh, on the final day of the season. Really, really good job um, at that football club. He's, he's a very good man manager. He's very good at developing younger players into better players. He's very good at getting more out of older players. You look at Sam Vokes, Andy Bayak and Fenwar as well. Gareth McCleary. Oh my God, Gareth McCleary has been absolutely fantastic for, for Wickham. I watched him against Derby the other week and he was the one of the best players on the pitch. Um, and he's, he's nearly 34, 35 years old. So he's, he's shown that he, he can um, do a lot with very little. And that's a very good thing in the Championship. Football isn't pretty, but I do think tactically he's he's very he's a very very gifted manager. Um, and I think maybe spoke ill of him earlier on in the season when he was initially linked with the job, but on paper actually he ticks ticks a lot of boxes that would certainly make me interested in. I'm surprised it's taken this long for Ainsworth to make this move. If I'm being perfectly honest, because Wickham fans will tell you that he's never been shy about flirting <laughs> with other clubs. He's done a phenomenal job at Wickham, despite never having the biggest of budgets. He's also a QPR legend. So this move always seemed like it would happen at some point. Is it a good move? I'm not sure. I've always wondered how good Ainsworth would do with a bigger budget because he's essentially had one hand tied behind his back at Wickham. His football, not my cup of tea. It's very direct. It would make Tony Pulis blush. Um Ainsworth will have to adapt his style to suit the players at QPR, I think. I think ultimately he'll have to stave off the growing threat of relegation at QPR first and foremost, because that is becoming a big worry, considering how poor they were under Critchley. But ultimately, if the goal is for QPR to get back to the Premier League, I don't think Ainsworth is the man to get them there, probably because his football is a bit limiting. Um, But I think in the short term, he'll have a bit of success in the long term. I'm not so sure. Birmingham and a number of individuals have been charged by the EFL with alleged rule breaches as a result of an investigation into a takeover bid. It's alleged that a number of people were allowed to were allowed to act as relevant persons without EFL approval. There were also charges alleging the passing over of control of the club happened without 
requisite approval. The multiple cases will be referred to an independent disciplinary commission and the EFL have said they will make no further comment. In a statement, Birmingham say they acknowledged the decision and subsequent charges and confirms there would also be no further comment from them. It's thought the charges relate to the takeover by Paul Richardson and Maxi Lopez, but the EFL haven't confirmed the identity of the individuals involved. Now, if my understanding of this is correct, this is because Richardson and Lopez were providing funding for various different things at the club, including the transfer fee for Tariff Chung, which I did say at the time seemed a bit fishy for owners or people who weren't actually involved at the club to be paying for that transfer. Mm. Uh, they also paid for various other things, reportedly. Uh, the Guardian is reporting the most likely outcome of these charges is a suspended points deduction. However, the Telegraph is reporting Blues are the subject of another investigation into which party or parties actually own the club and whether the club's owners have misled the EFL. It's all a big, big mess, isn't it, just in this? It's not surprising, though, is it? Because the ownership's a mess. It's a big, big mess. I weirdly think it could be a good thing um, for the club because it could force the hand of the current owners to sell the the club if there's this threat of this points deduction could see them drop into the third tier just going to diminish any value the club has it's already limited because the stadium's half used um the academy's dropped its status category two if i'm right just a lot of issues um so actually having these charges stand over the club might might actually force the hand to to sell to the right to, to a buyer um whether that's the case, I don't know. Until until more more uh, comes with these charges and more more information is released, we don't know. But from my perspective, it, as I say, it could force the hand of the current owners to sell, which ultimately is what is needed there at Birmingham City. Yeah, in fairness to the FL, at least they're doing something because they've mm-hmm. looked at the Birmingham situation and thought we need to see what the hell is going on here. All is not well at the club and there shouldn't be a situation where the league is having to investigate who actually owns them it should be plain and obvious but it's quite clearly not hopefully this encourages the owners to sell up as you say justin if the efl finds there's been wrongdoing then there could be a point of deduction which may very well relegate birmingham that makes them a lot less attractive to buy doesn't it and the main reason why the club hasn't been taken over by someone new is because the current owners are digging in their heels about particular things one of which is keeping the club on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. They might be less stubborn about that now with this investigation. So I completely agree with you, Justin. In a strange way, this investigation might be a good thing for Birmingham City fans because the net's closing in on these owners and it's time for them to do the right thing and sell up because the fans don't want them there. I don't really see what the owners are getting out of it at this point. So it would just be the best thing for all parties if this whole saga just gets over and done with. Swansea boss Russell Martin says Ryan Manning will leave the club when his contract expires in the summer. The 26-year-old has been one of the standout left-backs in the championship this season and will undoubtedly have plenty of interest, Justin. Without doubt. Yeah, he's 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 been brilliant. He, he could be in contention of player of the season, uh, from our player of the season anyway. He's been one of the most consistent left-backs in the league. Um, he's been an important... I assume you mean at Swansea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. He's in the contention. He's been very, very good and very, very consistent, and one of the standout players for Swansea. I, I do think the fullback situations this season hasn't been as high as it has been in previous years. That's what I'm getting at. I'm just trying to highlight how good and important he has been to Swansea. Wait, hang on. Just, just for complete clarity here. So you're saying Brian Manning has been one of the best players in the whole division this season? Been one of the best left backs in the whole division. That's not what you said. 
You said oh, well, you one of the best players. Contender for player of the season. I said team of the season, didn't I? No, you said player of the season. Oh, team of the season. Yeah, player of the season. Team of the quite season far. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- team of the season, not player of the season. Oh, yeah, misspoke again. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's been fantastic. Um, and I think it tells of a really crap situation at Swansea where they're allowing these players' contracts to run down to the point where, you know, Mining should have been offered a new deal a long time ago because he's been a very consistent performance Swansea throughout his time there. Um, and there's quite a few players in the summer who have years left on their deals. Quite a few young players as well. Ollie Cooper's one of them, I think. It's not ideal. Yeah, definitely not ideal. And, you know, Swansea a very poorly run as it is. And the, you, as you say, you've got quite a few players out of contract, including championship player of the season, Ryan Manning. Um, so when, <laughs> when you lose a player like that for potentially a free, that's never good business, is it? Um, in injury news, Bristol City defender Rob Atkinson will miss the rest of the season with an ACL injury. There's been a few ACL injuries recently. I'm not sure if that's more than usual. I haven't been keeping a detailed report on the matter, but it does seem like there's been a large amount. We, of course, wish him all the best with his recovery. And former Luton boss Nathan Jones has been spotted playing for 12-tier Cranbourne FC in Dorset following his sacking at Southampton. He got an assist before limping off with an injury. Um, did you see this, Justin? I did see it. Um, it was weird. And I, like, I'm not surprised he went off injured because he didn't he do his Achilles or his knee doing that knee slide last season for Luton. So maybe he shouldn't be playing at the side. Maybe, maybe. Um, I was just thinking maybe he could fill in for someone at a left back this season. I, I know he'll be on the manager shortlist of Swansea next who, season. Yeah, maybe Swansea next season, <laughs> considering Ryan Manning's going out the door. Um, possibly. <laughs> possibly do a player-manager role if Russell Martin does walk in the summer as well. So, um, Having said that, he is a Cardiff fan, so I don't think he'll be too keen to make that move. So we'll leave that one there. Right, now it's time for this. Did he? Yes, sir. You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? Yeah, it's time for Diddy or Didn't He. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various to the championship and a club all we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not he's got to have made a senior appearance for them we're taking in turns to guess them and we keep score as the season goes on this week it's my turn to guess and justin's provide the players and clubs with the scores 102 93 to justin for the season justin can i have the first player please you certainly can you've asked politely so i'll provide it harry toflo and rotherham united yes you just you just spoil games. You've, there's no flair to your game at all. Yes, he did play for Rotherham. Loan spell in 2015, 2016, made seven appearances. I like to think I'm the pewless of this. I take all the fun out of the game and just get results. That's all I care about, just results. You are wearing a cap and going bold. So, yeah, this makes yeah, sense. Fair point, fair point. Yeah. Uh, next one, please, Justin. <laughs> the next one is Bobby Zamora in Bristol City. Just got this idea now of me headbutting James Beatty naked. Um, <laughs> what was it again? Sorry, <laughs> Bobby Zamora in Bristol City. Nah, are you sure? I mean, I'm never sure with any of these, okay, but yeah. I'm gonna say no. I did make it up. I was hoping that you maybe have been on his Wikipedia recently because he came through at Bristol Rovers, played four games for them. Oh, yeah, 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 that does ring a bell now. You say it, damn it. Next one. Please. Two out of two, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Adam LaFondra and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh. Um, 
Now, usually I go straight in head first with this. And like, my like instinct was to say... Exactly. Hmm. Um, and my instinct was to say yes. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, I, but I'm struggling to picture when that would have happened. Just take a, take a second, double check your mind vault and con- reconsider. Are you sure? I've, consi- I've consulted the mind vault and it's saying <laughs> yes. Yeah, he did. He loaned spell in 2015, 26 appearances, three goals. Oh, hmm. who's he on loan from? Uh, that's a great question. I don't Redding? know. Bolton? Probably Bolton. I think Bolton, yeah. yeah. Strange Bolton loaning a player to Wolves, isn't it? I don't think Wolves were very good at that point. It must have been a couple of years before the whole Ruben Neves. Two years. You know, kind Two of years era. Anyway, three out of three. <laughs> the next one is Gary Hooper and Brighton. No. I'm saying no. I think you're trying to do the old blue and white trick, aren't you? Blue and white? Because Gary Hooper played for Wednesday, didn't he? Well, yeah, but that's a dark blue. It's a different blue. Anyway, you're right. He, did, he didn't play for... <laughs> he didn't play for Brighton. I just can, I can imagine him in that bright, in a Brighton shirt with the skint um, sponsor on it. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. I think you were going for the, the blue and white I thing. Wasn't. And you subconsciously forgot that you played for Wednesday, but carry on. No, no I, I did. Anyway. Four out of four, by the way. You're smashing well. it. Smashing it. The next one is Jesse Lingard and Leicester. Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. I, I do know that one. Do you really? Yeah. I didn't I didn't remember it. Five five appearances on loan in, in 2012, 2013. He's completed the East Midlands trifecta. He's played for Derby Forest yeah. and Leicester. I don't know how many players have done it, um, but he should be awarded something. The freedom of the East Midlands, maybe I don't know. No, we, we, we have we've only got through five on this so yeah, far. Yeah, it's been I don't know. I don't know how many minutes we've spent playing this stupid game. But <laughs> five out of five. The next one is Junior Stanislas and Burnley. Oh, Junior Stanislas. Um, I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with he did. Are you sure? I don't know if you're if you're doing the old claret and blue thing, but I think he did. Oh, oh, yeah, he came through at West Ham. He did. He was at Burnley for three years. Made ninety appearances. Bloody hell! Blew me away when I when I saw that because I thought it'd be a loan spell or something. Some players just disappear into the nether region at they some do. points, don't yeah. they? And they just you're just like, where have they been that whole time? Is he still at Bournemouth? Yes, he's kind of in the nether region there now as well, isn't he? Six out of six. You are absolutely cannoning through these. The next one is Lewis Baker and Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, loan spell in 2015, four appearances. Yeah, I, I vaguely recall that one as well. I mean, Lewis Baker's played for everyone pretty much, hasn't he? So, mm. um, seven out of seven. Could it be the Big Ten? <sighs> next one is Brian Jensen and Bolton. I don't know Brian Jensen's bloody career. Um, now... Bolton is the club that Justin Peach always goes for as his <laughs> random made-up one. So, <laughs> um, but I don't think he played for Bolton. You're correct. I made it up. <laughs> Why do you always pick Bolton? I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought I thought it was somebody else. I thought it was Rotherham. Um, but I just thought Bolton have had some large footballers over the years. Thought I could sneak him in. Eight Shit. out of eight. Come on. Shit. 
Delhi Ali Boulder in Hall City. Yes. Wait, wait, Tanner Prince is 2012. Nine out of nine. Come on. <sighs> first time no. this season, ladies and gentlemen. This would be the first 10 out of 10 this season. And if we do that, we'll all go into Pop World. Come on, Justin. We're now level, um, points wise. I don't care about nine. That. All I care about is the 10 at this point. Your last one is Matt Kill, Gallant, and West Ham. Now, my instinct said yes. And I know you play for Blackburn. I know you play for Sunderland. I think he did. Anyone else did he play for? No. Who else did he play for? I honestly cannot remember, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I made three appearances in Charles and Yes! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Get him! That's incredible. Ten, 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 ten. Ladies and gentlemen, history has been made. Did he or didn't he? History has been made. A perfect ten by Ryan Dilks. And that puts me into the lead for the first time in a number of weeks. I am a very happy man right now. Yeah, I'll doff my hat to you. That is, um, that's impressive. I'm interested to know from the listeners whether or not that was a good a good round because ten's difficult, seven's difficult, ten's ten's incredible. I, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You did, you did well. I'll um, yeah. I'll, I'll did he or didn't he? Masterclass by Ryan Dilks, right there. I am buzzing my tits off now, and who knows how how big that could be in the grand scheme of things as the season goes on. Justin, I've jumped back ahead yeah. for the first time in a number of weeks, and now I may go flying. I may get multiple tens for the rest of the season. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Did he or didn't he? The, the latest scores are 103, 102 to myself for the season. That's a right old mile for. But there you go. I am in the lead. And uh, that makes it very interesting for the final few weeks of the season. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast, a momentous episode of the Second Tier Podcast, may I say. <laughs> and with that, we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday, where we'll go through all the games in the Championship, which are coming up this weekend. We'll also talk about any of the news that happens over the coming days. So it's been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big, big, big thank you for listening.